we don't really have a survivor rate, but at a minimum, it's like being hooked to six electric chairs, and if all three are involved, it would be over 10. So (laughs) I'm very thankful to be here. Yeah. (laughs) Amen. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to uh, another episode of This Is My Story, the YouTube and podcast show, and I've got an amazing friend of mine. Welcome to the show, Matt Manzari. Thanks, Kevin. I'm super excited to be here. So welcome to the show. Real quick, just want to thank our, our sponsors. Thank you, uh, Christian Healthcare Ministries, for believing in this. And uh, if you're out there and you need some sort of healthcare provider, you're looking for something alternative, uh, Christian Healthcare Ministries is a, a huge blessing to so many people. Um, I love that it's biblical. It almost reminds me of the book of Acts when all the believers came together and were helping each other by sharing. And so that's that's what this is, cost-sharing um, health program. Cool. So, and then, uh, word of life, Bible Institute and camps all around the country, even the world. You love word of life. Yeah. I love word. <laughs> Kevin and I have been going to word of life together for a lot of years now. Yeah. So. A lot of years. Matt Thank was actually, guys. uh, I got a screen Lake shirt on today. Yeah. You do nine mile coffee. Yeah. And shout out to nine mile. We love coffee. So we do. <laughs> and, uh, Matt, you actually grew up in screen Lake, New York. Yeah. I was actually born there. So I was born in upstate new york in the adirondack mountains and then we moved to florida when i was like nine or ten so uh, part of my childhood was there i feel like i'm a florida boy now but (laughs) yeah oh truly so i mean just to share a little bit about matt i mean this guy's he catches alligators we live about an hour away from each other yep he's an alligator catcher (laughs) pro wake skater back in the day before Mm -hmm. he got tragically injured uh, so let's dive into your story. Not a lot of people may be listening have heard. Uh, I know a lot of people have seen your film, uh, mm-hmm. which we did together. Uh, Miracle Matt, we'll talk more about that. But for those that don't know your your story, um, start from New York. You know, you grew up, moved to Florida. What brought you to Florida? How'd you get into this Wixgate career? Yeah, I mean, as a kid, I loved action sports. I, I actually loved mainstream sports, too. Uh, I was big into baseball until, until I got my first skateboard. And then it was skateboarding, snowboarding in the summertime, started wakeboarding. And when we moved to Florida, I was obviously snowboarding a lot less and it's too hot to skateboard, especially coming from the north. So I just spent all my time in the lakes and eventually picked up wake skating, which is like wakeboarding without the bindings on. And you're kind of skateboarding on the water. And and I kind of was combining a few of my loves. And yeah, I just the rest was history. So you, you did that for a long time. I know that you were on uh, cover of magazines. You were in a lot of magazines, a lot of different film sections, um, sponsored by big companies like Nike. Um, all of a sudden, your life really starts to take a turn. It's a miracle that you're alive, like my friend sitting here right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you know, one thing I like to share real quick about becoming a pro athlete first, because so many kids ask, they're like, how do you go pro or how do you get sponsored or this? And my first advice is always like, well, first off, don't start with that being the goal. Like, don't do something to hope to become a pro rider. Like, do it because you absolutely love it. Like, I was spending every day in the lake, behind the boat, riding as much as I could. And then I really had this kind of experience where my dad told me this story, The Four Minute Mile, Roger Bannister. And um, for me at that time, I I thought pro athletes had these kind of God-gifted talents or gifts. And it was a realization of, man, there's nothing more physical and raw than run that way and I'll time you. Uh, yeah. So maybe something even like running because nobody had ran a four minute mile for hundreds of years. Roger does it in May of 1954. Just six years later, by 1960, we've got over 30 people do it since then. Hundreds have done it. And it was a realization at a young age of maybe 
the most physical thing I could think of is run that way and I'll time you is even more mental. So I started to go out and be in the mindset that these were common tricks that everybody could do that were ordinary. And, and I wouldn't even be excited when I landed them because they were just normal things like getting up. And, and in fact, there were tricks that I had never done and nobody else had ever done. And I had gone out and kind of made decisions on the front end that I was going to do these tricks. And then um, before I knew what I did, I had a handful of tricks that nobody could do. And I did. I got approached by Nike. They were breaking in action sports and I got to be their first wake athlete through this division they were calling 6.0 and uh you get back by a brand like that they gave me a shoe contract a clothing contract a few months later and then i got malibu boats and sea and arnett sunglasses and a board with my name on it and i'd love to say it was talent but it wasn't it was really realizing that god has created us to do and be more than maybe we think uh or we imagine and we're so busy comparing ourselves to this world around us that our biggest competitor is the person looking back at us in the mirror. So kind of realizing that we need to raise that expectation bar because God's done a lot in who he's created us to be and our potential that we don't always see. And I think that helped me when I came into my accidents, like you're talking about, because my first accident, I hit the rocks. I hit a shoreline at a wakeboard, a wake skate contest and um, broke my skull in 13 places, broke my hip or dislocated my hip, uh, broke my tailbone, broke my hand in five places, and had a piece of rebar or stick or something punctured through the back of my leg. Um, and I was just completely broken. I mean, I could spend the rest of the time talking about how my whole world was flipped and was over, and I had just been at this pivotal point in my life where I'd just gotten married two years before. I was about to graduate college. I was leaving my action sports career, getting ready to go into full-time ministry, and literally days like we had three days left of school senior year i had monday tuesday and wednesday was finals week and then i was graduated so right at this change i have this horrible accident um the doctors were clear that it was amazing you know you talk about that i shouldn't be here that i broke my skull pretty much collapsed it above and below the pressure point in my temple and uh, it should have at a very minimum been a really bad tbi traumatic brain injury uh, so to walk out and have my mind and have my life was was a miracle. Yeah. Um, it was actually really hard because you kind of have some survivor's guilt that with, within that same couple month period, uh, one of the, my fellow teammates on Nike, Kevin Pierce, he was that year. I mean, he's so good. He's a young kid. Like that year it was like him and Sean White were back and forth with first place medals and um, coming in. I can't remember if it was Winter Olympics or X Games, but one of those big contests and he was just training and warming up and uh, he caught his snowboard edge on the, on the lip of a half pipe. So he had a helmet on, fell onto snow and he got a TBI and um, you know, he's not the same. He has a, a great life now, but it's been years and years of recovering and, and he'll, he is a different person and he is a, you know, his, his mind works differently and it's still beautiful and he's still an amazing person, but um, it changed his life forever. And as somebody who hit my head on rocks with no helmet on, watching my friend hit his head with a helmet on, on snow, you start to ask those questions that, that it's great when you get your miracle, but there's times where it's kind of hard too. Cause you're like, why me? Not in the sense of why did this happen? But why did I come out of it like this? Yeah. Why did God help me? Why did God heal me in, in certain ways? And you start to ask those questions. Yeah. 
it is hard when you think about some people who don't believe in God or who kind of hold God hostage because they're waiting for an answer to their prayer. You know, it could be a family relative that has cancer. It could Mm. be a traumatic accident, like what you went through. And, um, they kind of hold God hostage and say like, if you're good and if you're real, you know, why did you let this happen? And, um, and we don't want to say to that, because I, I know that like, you know, God uses certain things. He allows things to happen in our lives. Um, but he is, he is first of all good. Mm. And so I know you are passionate about this. So, so share a little bit about that perspective. And someone's just kind of saying like, I'm not going to move to God because God's not willing to do these things for me. And so what's your take on that? Yeah, absolutely. Cause I think as Christians, a lot of times we can say some dam- damaging stuff because we don't, we haven't gone to the word on it heavy enough. And we just say things that sound good. Like, Oh, well, you know, God will never give you more than you can handle or everything happens for a reason. And it's like, you look at, okay, what is God will never give you more than you can handle. There's a ton of stuff I can't handle. There's tons of stuff you can't handle. There's nothing he can't handle. And they're mixing up with a verse that actually says when we're tempted that he will provide a way out. But then we also look at the word and it says, there's a way that seems right to man. And then there's God's way. And there are many times we face a situation where we're like, Hey God, I hear what you're saying on this issue. You know, I I hear what your word says, but I've got to take the reins and we walk away from his ways. We walk away from, and, and leads us to dark places that people can go down where, you know, they, they walk away from their families or their churches or their, their community. They fall down roads of depression and anxiety, even take their own life. And I think it's so damaging because we'll say, Oh, God will never give you more than you can handle. And it's like, okay, well, what about someone's brother who just took their life? Cause it was more than they could handle. Yeah. And so we can be, we need to be careful. Um, you know, like, like you said, I think we first have to look at the character of God. Who is he? He is good. Yeah. He is light in him is no darkness. So if he has not created anything dark or not, isn't doing, he's not hurting his children for some greater good. He's not like, Hey Matt, I'm going to slam you into these rocks and then use it for my story. Like we live in a sinful, broken world. We have an enemy that prowls around like a lion waiting to seek, kill and destroy relationships, destroy lives. Uh, we have sicknesses brought into this world as a result of sin. We have all sorts of bad and we're saying, Lord, save me from this situation. And he, I feel like his answer is I already have. What he did 2,000 years ago on the cross has saved us from every situation. So if we don't win our fight with cancer, if we don't live through a traumatic accident, if we do lose somebody, we are finite beings. We have, we have an end here on earth, but through Jesus, we don't have an end. And he is eternal. And so when we look at it in the mindset of eternity, it's like, is he good or is he bad? Because if we shrink down this life, if this life was... 10 seconds instead of maybe up to a hundred years. You know, if you shrunk that down, if I said to you, Kevin, I'm going to hurt you or I'm going to allow you to go through pain, an incredible amount of pain for the next 10 seconds, but then you'll never feel pain again. Would you say like, Matt, you're evil. That's horrible that you would allow that. Or would you be like 10 seconds, bring it on. But in light of millions of years, times millions of years, times billions of years in eternal light, this life is the blink of an eye. And we will experience pain. We will experience good things that he, we don't deserve it, but he still does amazing things. He's already done everything we need on the cross. Yet he still chooses to come and say, Hey, 
these are still my people. This is still my world and I have the last say and he does miracles. And um, yeah. so when we ask the question, why, I always think it it's for one, it should be a question of gratitude of why have you been so good and looking at the good things in our life, even when there are hard things, yeah. even when they're like, what is you have this one really big struggle, but what do you have to be thankful for? Yeah. And I think that helped me a lot in my journey of instead of saying like, oh, why me? Why am I broken and in a hospital bed? It was like, Lord, I have a support system. I have family and friends around me. I have my needs in a lot of ways taken care of right now. Why are you so good? Like I am helpless, but the weaker I am, the the more clearly I can see that the things being done are not by my power, but by yours. And it's like his power is truly made perfect in our weakness. Yeah. And we see that. You know, you you get back from your first accident and you start wake skating again. You've gone to Bible college. Um, and then many people don't realize that's not the only accident. And that's not why we did Miracle Matt, the film. It's not why Scarred yeah. for Good exists. Um, so talk to us about what it was like to go through um, the second accident of your life. It's about we a year did. and a half after your first accident, right? Yeah. Yeah, almost two years. And um, so I, I was almost a year recovery. So I was like, had my accident spent a year recovering was kind of just getting back on my feet and was actually praying about like what that next step is. So again, it was about a week and a half later, I was helping trim trees at this church and the main power line arced over and, um, we didn't realize, uh, linemen and tree trimmers use, uh, fiberglass insulated buckets. We rented like a cherry picker and I got up in a big steel bucket and the main power line arced over that powers a big portion of the city and the hospital across the street. Um, so one minute I was up in that bucket next, I was waking up from the coma, man. And it was something like 15,000 volts of electricity circulated through your body, yeah. right? So it was a, it was a three phase line that was really amped up, uh, cause of all the needs of the hospital across the street. It's one of the highest tension lines in Orlando. And, um, so if two of the phases were involved, it was 12,400 volts. If all three were involved, which they think they were, cause it tripped the whole breaker, uh, it's over 21,000 volts. And with the amperage, which is really the killer in that, um, we asked for a statistic when we did the film and OUC called us back and they're like, we don't, we can't find a survivor rate for this much flowing through people's bodies. We, you know, you might have an arc flash where it arcs to this coffee mug and maybe blows you off of it. And that, but that's kind of an external burn. Um, but to where it conducts through you, uh, we don't really have a survivor rate, but at a minimum, it's like being hooked to six electric chairs. And if all three are involved, it would be over 10. Oh my gosh. So, <laughs> I'm very thankful to be here. <laughs> yeah. Amen. So I think what happened is you fell forward onto the bucket, right? And uh, your chest went up against the... Yeah, that's where a lot of the chest burn. I mean, well, the electricity is running a circuit through my arm. So it was kind of, you can kind of see where that V comes in my hand here. But it kind of was running a loop. And then we think when I lean forward... And fell on the metal. It actually also burned a line through my chest. And I mean, it was inches from my heart. It burned right to my rib cage. It was touching my rib cage. It burned through my chest muscle. I've had both pectoral major muscles surgically cut out. I mean, I've had a lot of muscle cut out. I've had over seventy surgeries in six and a half years. So yeah, it's been a, it's been a journey. Yeah, and kind of the saving thing was that uh, you know talk about what happened. The electricity circul circulated through your body. It's looking for a weak point, and um, it goes out of the top of your head, right? In two different places. Yeah. And, and that, that's what was amazing. Cause 
part of why there's not a survivor rate is if, especially if you're in a metal bucket, it won't let you go. Like unless the breaker trips, it'll just keep running through you. Just the current will keep traveling and it's looking for metal. It's looking for a path of least resistance. So you're standing on metal. So it usually runs through your feet and it will hold you there till your body basically looks like dehydrated fruit because it, it sucks all the moisture cooks all the moisture out of your body till you can't conduct electricity really anymore. Um, so for whatever reason it let me go. And one of the theories is I had headphones on at the time, like wired headphones and it went down. It melted my iPhone to my leg, um, right through my pants, came up those wires, fried those wires, uh, melted the earbuds in my ears. And then it went boom and hit one of the plates I have in the bottom of my jaw. That's what this scar, you can kind of see it is, um, it's not from putting the plate in. I had it put in internally uh, yeah. inside my mouth, but it burned this metal plate here. It went up, burned the plate over my eye socket here, and then exited through the front and back of my skull. So the electricity exited through my brain, which is why they were convinced when they're doing the pain stimulation uh, when I was in the coma and I wasn't responding that if I woke up, if my family got their miracle, I probably wouldn't have any neural activity. Um, so to be here today is a huge blessing. I mean, it wasn't just, hey, could he live? Could he survive the infection? Could he? But but again, with the brain damage portion, just like my first accident, and I mean, I had all that electricity run through my brain. Um, so super thankful. Yeah. Well, I want to transition into talk about Miracle Matt, actually, and mm -hmm. more scarred for good. Um, so... Over the last two and a half years, Matt and I have been working together on a story curriculum that would actually help you discover what your story is. Talk to me about what your passion is for story and um, what you hope to see come out of this curriculum. Yeah, I mean, for me, I, I never wanted to do a movie about my story. I mean, when you first were like, hey, let's make this a bigger thing, I was like, no. And you're like, why not? I said, because I don't want to do something about my story. That I, I don't want it to be about me. And he says, not, it's about what God's doing yeah. in the people's lives. It's not going to be about yeah, you. It's not going to be about you. And that's where my heart is. That's where your heart is. That's where we connect. I mean, when I speak, when I get to share my story, the first thing I almost always start with is I, I come on stage and I say, what is your story? Because most people have never asked that question or have never been asked that question. And if I were to say to any of you out there right now, what is your story? There's a good chance you'll either have to pause for a minute or two and not really know how to answer that. Or you'll start telling me, well, I'm uh, from here and I do this. And it's like, okay, those are parts of your journey. But our story is, I, I think it's, it's more of a character question. It speaks to who we are. And, and a lot of us don't know how to answer that. We don't really know who we are. Yeah. And, and who are you is a piercing question. Have you ever asked, you know, who am I? What am I here for? What has God created me to do? Because only you can be you. And our stories, I think, are the most powerful thing we have because, you know, you you could argue, you know, faith over areas of science that, you know, people believe in that contradict faith. and uh, But you can't argue someone's story. Yeah. It, it's, it's who you are. And again, even saying you can't argue is it shouldn't be an argument. It should be a conversation about, you know, this is the journey I'm on and I want to hear the journey you're on. Like it's not, uh, oh, I'm giving this person a track to try to get them to my side to believe what I believe, but it's I'm 
wanting to peel back some layers with you and discover who you are because you because you're interesting because you matter because you're important that if at the end of this conversation you're like hey i'm an atheist i don't believe in your god i'm gonna say that's okay i still love you i still care about you i still want to hear more and if we invest in the people around us in a real authentic organic way we learn more about them we understand them better we have better empathy and and sympathy for their stories we have better connection we have better relationships but then it also in turn helps us understand ourselves better and our stories better for those listening you know the the curriculum will have a link down below in the description here it'll be on this is my story.org so you can go check it all out there but uh for for everyone listening you know it's it's a small group curriculum it can be done individually but the subtitle is discovering the goodness of god in your story and i'm wondering for those that are listening that can say, well, that's really cool for Matt. He was a pro athlete. He's got a big platform and a stage. He's been electrocuted. But how does this pertain to my story? Do I have to go through something traumatic for this to be something that really could uh, change my life? You know, wh- why would you say this resource um, would be something that anyone and everyone in a small group should be looking at? Well, I think it's a, a big part of it is we haven't dove into our stories so it's easy. I've heard a lot of kids in church groups and high schools and, and adults at workplaces say, I don't really have a story. My life's kind of boring or my life's kind of, and it's like, no, you do have a story. You just haven't discovered it yet. Yeah. And and you really haven't. I mean, I think of a great example. We just did an amputee event, um, yeah. Kevin and I in California. And some of the realization was that you know, some of these people lost limbs in traumatic ways that they are yeah. literally awake. One of the one of the guys was sharing that he's awake watching himself bleed out. And that's a hard thing to revisit. But then for him to, as he starts to peel back the layers, say, you know what I'm realizing is the hardest part of my life or the hardest time of my life or the biggest part of my story wasn't losing my leg, was my divorce. And, yeah. and realizing that that trauma was way harder. And so to to those out there, it's like you don't have to lose a limb or be electrocuted or good. There's things that you've gone through. We all struggle and, and we know that if we really are honest with ourselves that, I mean, you could be sitting here listening and you're like, man, I I have my legs and my arms and I feel guilty for complaining about what I do. But right now I'm really struggling with midterm exams coming up. I'm going to fail this class and I can't afford another semester. Man, I don't know how I'm going to pay the bills at the end of this month. Like it is hard. Like inflation is crazy right now and groceries are so expensive and I can't afford to eat and live right now. And it's so difficult. And that's huge. Like we all have that. We all have a version of that in our life. There's even a relationship. I mean, how many friends do I have that it is rough to be single later, especially later in life. They start to see the people around them getting married and having families and maybe they want that, or maybe you don't want that. Maybe that's your story. Maybe it's, it's that I want to, I want to be alone. I don't, I want to be independent and self-sufficient. I don't want a family and kids. And I've had friends say that, but as we start to peel it back, there's usually a deeper wound there Yeah, that there was something in their childhood that wasn't a great experience. And they're like, you know, I, we have a, a good for family member actually that said she didn't want to have kids. And it's because she had a kind of a rough childhood yeah. and she looks back at her childhood. She's like, why would I want to put kids through that? My life sucked. And it's like that. I don't know. There's, there's always a deeper story. And I think that's what you and I are passionate about is trying to pull out 
that bigger story. And that's the point of the curriculum. You know, when, when we talked about making a film, we thought it would just be a film, a, a bigger film than Kevin had ever done. Yeah. So we thought that it would be this powerful tool for ministry. And it was, but as we showed it, we started to do previews and show it around and we realized it, it does, it, it's intentionally written in a way that when you get to the end of the film, you're feeling vulnerable. You're feeling like maybe there's some questions you have to ask, like what walls do you have in your life? What walls need to come down? What walls have you built? Yeah. Uh, where have you hardened your heart? What is your story? And you start yeah. asking these questions and we would see, you know, an audience at the end where a lot of people are teared up. A lot of yeah. people are moved to emotion ready for a next step. So that's what prompted let's write a curriculum yeah. that goes along with this. And the film is the first week. So you'll watch the film, you'll talk about it. And then the following six weeks, you're going to go through, um, you know, aspects of that. So it'll kick off with about a 10 minute or less video and it shows a portion of the film. And then it cuts to me sharing, Hey, this part of the film, we wrote it in this way. This part of the film, we talk about walls in your life that need to come down. Yeah. What are those walls? How do you identify them? And then you'll turn to your workbook and there's kind of questions to prompt you guys through that week with your small group. Um, and you start to identify those walls. You start to ask those questions and you do it as a community. But then probably my favorite part of the curriculum is when you go home, that between each lesson, there's five journal entries. Yeah. So you can, you know, if your group meets Wednesday night, if you wanted to do it week, weekdays only, so Thursday, Friday, Monday, Tuesday, and then that Wednesday morning before group, you know, when you have your coffee in the morning, 10 minutes a day, it's not going to take long. It's a short paragraph and then it asks you some questions and then you just journal for, you know, even a few sentences about your story. And they're written in a way that, you know, each one will work through kind of systematically, but that by the end of the six weeks, you don't have a workbook that goes along with our curriculum. You have a, a journal yeah. that tells your story that in a way that you didn't even know that you don't even know what you don't know about yeah. your life. Yeah. And but you will. End, yeah. And you will. And at the end of it, you're like, I, I know my story. I have value. My story matters. And my story can help connect me to people in these ways. Yeah. And we start eventually realizing that our stories are all universal. Yeah. That and our stories are all focused on the Lord. I mean, he becomes our, our center point. He, his story truly does become our greatest story. Well, I love you, man. I'm so proud of you and so thankful to be your friend. Love you too. Thank you for letting me come on today and just share what we love to share. Yeah. Um, You're coming on again though, right? Some point. Oh yeah. I'll, I'll be on. <laughs> yeah. Anytime I don't have somebody, I'm just going to call you. <laughs> All right. Well, listen, that's a wrap for today. Uh, be sure to check out the link below. We'll have a uh, link and information about Scarred for Good, discovering the goodness of God in your story. Matt and I are so excited to release this. Um, please, if you have any questions, reach out. And uh, we would love to start a conversation with you about having this resource at your church. Youth pastors, pastors, please share this around. This is a resource that you are not going to want to miss. Trust us. And uh, remember, your story matters more than you know. Lord, we thank you for this conversation. We love you. We pray uh, in the name of Jesus, Lord, that all of us would become more and more excited about the work that you were doing in our lives, God, your ongoing salvation. And uh, we praise your holy name. Amen. Thank you.